Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon a day early or indeed wherever else you get your podcast on Friday. My name is Kenny, joined as always by the titan of professional wrestling journalism, the one and only Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this Thursday morning? Well, after that introduction, Kenny, you know, I'm feeling, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to measure up to that description. You know, you, measure- I mean, you may have put me over a little bit too much there, but no, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Summer's here again. We had summer in June, then yeah. no summer in July or August, but now we've got summer again in September. Summer 2.0 is here. Um, yes, it's you know, let's enjoy it while we can, everybody. Um, so yeah, we're um looking forward to podcasting today and going through Raw and uh, talking, you know, the sad past of General Adnan as well. But um, I did want to mention because I know we have mentioned this kind of a few times on the podcast. Um, that we are going to be celebrating our 16th anniversary. But like any long-term couple, you know, it kind of falls by the wayside celebrating anniversaries, you know? You've been stuck together for so long. But, you know, you're very just lucky to not have killed each other yet. So we are yes. going to get to this month. <laughs> yes, yes. Probably, the I would think, the week after next is is the probable week. And we've yep. got a um, few topics in mind, haven't we, Kenny? Yes, so we're going to do three things. Uh, we're going to, we thought it'd be fun to go back and watch and review the first ever episode of Monday Night Raw from 1993, January 11th, 1993 from the Manhattan Centre. I thought it'd be fun to uh, review. And then you have got a couple of things for me that I've not seen before. Because, um, you know, people have complimented us on some of the stuff where we go back and watch 
uh, you know, we've watched some Japanese matches in the past, watched the, some Steve Williams stuff. So you've got a couple of things that uh, we're going to watch. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, I thought we'd we'd review one of the Kawada Mizawa classics from mm-hmm. the mid-90s. I mean, there's plenty to choose from. Probably go with one of the singles matches, maybe from 95 or 96. Um, also, it's a very famous angle from Mid-South um, involving Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase and Dick Murdoch. And it's the angle in which Ted DiBiase turns face. And uh, it was a very, very famous angle at the time. Uh, we'll include the link and, you know, give the backstory to that and why it happened. Um, and I thought that was a, you know, a really fun story to uh, to cover because obviously people know who Ted DiBiase is. They obviously know who Ric Flair is. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people today don't really know who Dick Murdoch is, but we can tell you who he is in that mm-hmm. In that podcast, so I thought, you know, that's a that's a real, you know, good story to one we've never delved into before. So that's three topics. But you know what? If there's anything else you want us to cover or tackle, please let us know through the usual channels. Indeed, indeed, and obviously, you know, if you are a pledger on Patreon, you will have seen that for now. Um, Finn has done the uh, last. What else is going down? And we're going to be replacing that with a monthly podcast where we're going to look back at. It might be an angle, it might be a match, it might be a show, and we're going to kind of do a bit of a deep dive into topics. and Or, or even a wrestler. Who, or even a wrestler, yeah. Yeah, who, who we've never really, you know, um, discussed or explained what they did or how good they were or where things went wrong in their careers or where, thing, where things went right. And I think something like that would be quite interesting as well as obviously lots of people in wrestling history who've never really talked about yeah, and the good thing is with that is that, you know, we can put calls out to you guys and let us know what you want us to talk about. You know, I, I know, you know, for example, in the overrun this week, Ewan Watson has given us a topic to discuss. So, you know, if there's something that you want us to go into long form, um, everything might not fit the criteria, but if it's, if it's able to fit into it, we will do it. So, yes, um, we are very flexible, Kenny, aren't we? We can we can talk about pretty much anything. We can, we can. And also, you know, you guys uh, invest a lot of time into us, and listening to us, um, and uh, and actually on that note, I'm glad I've remembered because sometimes I don't. As I did get a note from uh, from Lewis, I think his handle's Lou Lou B. Um, but Lou had Lewis. I'm just going to say Lewis, and if I'm wrong, then you know shoot me. But uh, he had mentioned uh, that he was listening to what what's going down this week, and he said he got he's got to correct me because in U.S. sports. If someone's drafted to a team and then quits, the team retains the rights. And if they come back, they go back to the team or must be traded. So in that sense, it did make sense for SmackDown to get compensation for Jay Uso's trade to Raw. So very good to point that out. I'm not good at American sports. So <laughs> there is method in the madness, Finn, of the Jay Uso trade there compensation. Is, there is, yes. I was not going to pick up your fight in the magazine, I have to say. <laughs> Because after watching Raw, this after watching uh, the conversation between Adam Pierce and Jay, so um, I was just going to tell it as Adam Pierce told it, and just leave it at that. So, yes. but thank you for correcting us there. Yeah, for sure. So, um, before we talk, we're going to talk about Raw, obviously. But uh, the news came out yesterday that um, Adnan uh, Sheik Casey, um, El Sheik Casey, who obviously was known if you're a you know wrestling fan of my age, or I guess. Huge fan. Like, we we kind of know him as General Adnan um, yeah. from his WWF run in 1990 to 1992. Sheikh Adnan Al Casey. He passed away at age 84. I mean, 
I don't expect a lot of people who are listening to this to, to know much about him, but I mean, the guy, if you even just look at his Wikipedia page, had some life. Um, you know, he was friends with, he, he went to high school, the same high school as Saddam Hussein, was friends with him, and then worked in the AWA, and then became the, you know, Iraqi Iraqi sympathizer manager for Sergeant Slaughter in 1990. Um, but yeah, yeah. sad, sad uh, to hear. I, I remember reading an interview with him, and he said that he had to wear a bulletproof vest because, you know, he received death threats and the heat was so strong um, during that, you know, 1990 to 1992 run. So, um, yeah, he certainly had some heat. I mean, I didn't like that period of WWF history. I didn't like that angle. I mean, I, I've yet to meet anyone who did like that whole Sergeant Slaughter as the Iraqi sympathizer and... You know, the WrestleMania 7 main event with Slaughter versus Hogan and then the SummerSlam 91 main event with Hogan and Warrior versus Slaughter and um, it was Iron Sheik as Staffer, wasn't it? So, um, and uh, Avnan as well was in the ring, wasn't he, in that match, Kenny? Two on three match, the match made in hell. Yeah, match made in hell after the match made in heaven with the fake wedding of Randy <laughs> Savage and Elizabeth. They'd only got married, like, what was it, seven years earlier? Yeah. Uh, but no one was any the wiser, so why not just go with it? Um, so, yeah, I was never really a fan of, of of that period in WWF history. But, I mean, it's it was a character that he went along with. And um, I'm sure it was his best earning years in pro wrestling. And certainly the period where he had the most fame. Um, maybe he looks back, maybe, you know, he looked back on the AWA as the highlight of his career because that was a really good gig for people. You know, they only worked part-time. You know, it was good money for what it was. Um, and, um, you know, they had their, you know, loyal fans. And um, it was like, I think, it's seen as a good territory to work. A lot of people don't have, you know, a lot of people just talk about, you know, the post-84 era um, and when it declined and, um, attendance was falling and, you know, talent were leaving because there was more money to make working for Crockett or working for Vince McMahon. Um, but, I mean, the AWA was a really good territory to work in the 1970s. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, I, I guess going from that to then, when he when he did the, the run with Sergeant Slaughter, he must have been, so he was 84 when he died. So he'd have been in his early 50s, I think, yeah. when, he, when he did that run. So, I mean, I guess in your early 50s, getting a job with the WWF, would have been like a, you know, you could never have saw that coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that would have been, talk about like, that's uh, like like picking the winning numbers on the lottery. Maybe not quite that, but not yeah. far off. Yeah. And uh, that must have been a hell of a, a boon for him that late in his career. And it's funny because like, I feel like today, you know, like, you know, people at our age, you know, you and me, like, we could have look our age, you know, we look the age that we are, but I mean, people back then, I mean, he was, he would, if he was 50, 50 years old, he looked every bit of 65 when back in the day. So he, he yeah. looked a lot older, but I mean, I don't think I'll probably never understand how, I mean, I can understand to an extent, but the idea that America is in this war and we know that America are very, very patriotic yes. about their country. You know, I've, I've told this story before, but I remember, been my friend Josh had been in America and he was there for like the Fourth of July and he was there with his friend and uh, Josh had like a 
you know, an England flag because he's English and he had an England flag kind of tied around him, you know, and then his, his friend had an American flag tied around him. You know, they were celebrating July 4th and Independence Day. And this police officer came over and said, get that flag off you right now. You know, he was, you know, my my friends have died for that flag. So they take it very seriously. I mean, Wait. what 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 about the special relationship? We're supposed <laughs> to be allies. You know, it's not like he was carrying around, you know, a hostile nation flag. It was no. a bit of an overreaction, I felt that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But that but that I mean that's what that's that's a reaction to someone who's an ally. So you can yeah. only imagine. So it's like you know, even like the Shawn Michaels uh you know flag thing at Montreal in nineteen ninety seven where he kind of humps the flag. Like yeah. if Bret Hart had done that to the US flag, there would have been uproar to that because they they hate anything like that. So I can only imagine that if they're in the middle of a war and then these guys are portraying, you know, people who are from the enemy lines, how bad that must have been for them to have to go through it. And then also how kind of tacky it must have been to to be watching it because it's went from this kind of, oh, here's this big cartoon thing to yeah. oh no, this feels quite gross. Yeah, I mean, because Slaughter had obviously been, you know, G.I. Joe, you know, the you know embodiment of G.I. Joe, you know, the American hero, very famous for the feud with the Iron Sheik in like 84 and, you know, played characters like that for Crockett and obviously had that big run working for Vince Senior against Bob Backlund. So he'd been playing that character forever, basically. And then he, you know, went over to the other side, defected to this hostile nation um, you know, with which we were at war at the time. So I'm not sure if Vince thought that the war was actually going to happen when he came up with that idea, but obviously it did, or the conflict or whatever you want to call it, Desert desert Storm. And um, so, but I mean, you know, you're playing with fire with things like that. And even if war hadn't kicked off, it was obviously a hostile nation and slaughter had gone over to the other side and started teaming with these former enemies. And, um, you know, people were really quite offended by it and not in a way where they were entertained. I mean, as I wrote in my Iron Sheik obituary in the magazine a couple of months ago, I mean, Iron Sheik had obviously exploited, um, you know, hostilities and tensions between nations and done that very successfully in the in the 70s and the 1980s. But by the early 1990s, I think we'd all sort of moved on from that. And something that pro wrestling had done very successfully, you know, obviously we had the Japanese heels after World War II, even though usually the people playing the Japanese heels weren't Japanese. You know, we had the German heels and Fritz von Erich obviously wasn't German. He was American and Baron von Raschke wasn't German. He was American as well. But we had all that sort of thing. And then we had the Koloffs and, you know, exploiting the Cold War. So, I mean, this was like a staple of pro wrestling, you know, throughout, you know, really the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even in the 80s. I mean, Nikita Koloff was very successful in that role as Ivan Koloff's nephew. And, of course, Ivan Koloff was American and Nikita Koloff was American. (laughs) But, I mean, they were pretending to be Russians because we had the Cold War and hostilities and everything. It made for, you know, good wrestling TV, good wrestling fodder. But by the early 90s, it felt like we'd moved on from that and people weren't entertained by it anymore. People found it, you're right. People were like, you know, this is kind of sleazy. There's kind of an element to this where it's not escapist entertainment. It's not fun. It's just kind of offensive. Um, So, 
Yeah. And, um, you know, people were angry, you know, and obviously it still was provoking actual proper heel heat that they were seeking. But people were really mad about it as well in, in the in the wrong sort of way. Yeah. And I didn't realise until today, actually, because I'd actually tried to to track uh, Casey down years ago to try and do an interview with him, maybe like 2014 or something. Because I just kind of thought his story was really interesting. At that point, he would have been like 74. So I thought he maybe still would be able to do an interview and kind of have a chat. But um, it was only today that I realised, um, so I didn't get far with my research based on not knowing this, but like that he was a former WWF tag team champion with Chief J. Strongbow in 1976. I had no idea that he was a WWWF tag champ with Chief J. Strongbow. So, I mean, he did a lot of stuff in wrestling. So, um, yeah, sad, sad to hear that he passed away. But, you know, 84 is a good run. So, at least it's yeah. not yeah, a, tra- yeah. a tragedy. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, actually, it just, it's just popped into my head because we're talking about it. Do you think, obviously, the business for WWF was going down in 1990 anyway, before they introduced this angle with Slaughter and and Adnan. Do you think if they hadn't have done that angle, that there was a chance that business could have gone back up? Or do you think it was going to go down anyway, re- regardless of whether they introduced this tacky angle or not? Um, I mean, you know, Warrior obviously flopped as champ. Um, they were expecting more from WrestleMania 6 than it delivered on pay-per-view. I mean, they were expecting more orders. Um, and then Warrior was saddled with Hennig, you'd hog Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect, who obviously was a great worker, but Hulk Hogan had already beaten him in their feud. So, I mean, people didn't see Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect, as a threat to Warrior. And Warrior didn't really connect with the audience in the way that Hogan had. And Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think there was some resentment. You know, we, we did that feature, didn't we, the magazine on the transitional champion. And why the transitional champion exists. And he didn't use one there. He just went straight straight from Hogan to Warrior. So I think there was probably some resentment towards Warrior that he had beaten Hogan, who was this very popular guy. Then, of course, we had the travesty after the match, didn't they, with Hogan's basically <laughs> stealing Warrior's thunder. So after the Mr. Perfect feud, which no one believed in, we then had the Rick Rude feud. And Rude, as talented as he was, was never really a true headliner in WWF. And obviously, Warrior and Rude had had that epic feud in '89, hadn't they? Yeah, for the IC title. So. Yeah, so we people had already seen that. So I mean, they knew that Warrior wasn't going to make it as champ. But I mean, had they had some better heels prepared for him, he I'm sure he would have done better than he did. But I mean, had they not brought Slaughter in, 
what would they have done? They could have done something different. I'm not sure who they could have hired or used um, or where they, what direction they could have gone in. Um, it's really hard to know. I mean, I think so. I think they could have done better than that because that didn't work, obviously. Uh, another thing about Slaughter, he'd basically been a nobody for years in the fading AWA. And then suddenly WWF says, this guy is a top, a top level, top tier player. It's like, well, hold on a minute. Where's he been for the last six years? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's in this working for this company that's drawing a few hundred fans for TV tapings and, you know, can't draw on the road and is basically a joke in the business. So, I mean, I think they could have done, but I'm not sure who it would have been. I mean, could they have gotten Warrior to turn heel maybe? I doubt it because he didn't want to turn heel. and didn't want to turn heel years later. So yeah. what was that? What was at their disposal? You know, it's like, you know, who was there who could have been promoted to the main event and been a challenger for Hogan or Warrior? You know, it's it's hard to know, really. I mean, maybe if you if you if you went down the roster, you could find someone, but then you would have had to backtrack ages, and there would have been this have to be this long period of preparation to make that person worthy of you know, the main event and and seen by the public as a credible contender who, you know, feasibly could have become champion. You know, people, oh, could have done Randy Savage. Well, Savage had already, he'd already done his run, hadn't he? And then, you know, he was a heel. He was kind of a mid-level heel at that point and he'd been champion. Um, So I'm not sure if he could have been really um, elevated or promoted again to the the main event. I'm I'm not sure. What what do you think, Kenny? What do you make of it I mean, it's, I think from, from what you've said there, I don't know if they could have really done much because, you know, like you kind of lay it out, it's like, it's easy for us to go, or for me to say, you know, could they have done better? But I mean, what was there to work with? And if everybody had already been beaten, then then what fresh person was there to come in? I mean, even when Earthquake came in, although the stuff with him was good, he wasn't, he, he, he you know, you'd seen Hogan beat so many bigger, badder guys before. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and, you know, he had that big match with Hogan at SummerSlam. Um, but I yeah. mean, you know, the, there wasn't a lot of things. The feud really had legs. Um, I mean, it did okay for one match. Um, but I mean, Flair didn't come in until 91. And that was a shock. That was obviously after a big fallout with Jim Hurd. And mm-hmm. no one saw that come in. And, you know, Luger obviously wasn't available and, you know, Sting was in WCW and it's like, you know, again, you could say, well, they should have done this. But back then everything was planned well in advance and people were prepared for the top spot yeah. you know, over a period of months. They weren't just booked as main eventers because Vince knew that people wouldn't have just accepted um, somebody who was a mid-carder as, as then a main eventer. I mean, look at JBL in 2004. You know, he'd been like Bradshaw in this sort of second match tag team forever. And then suddenly <laughs> said, right, he's now a main eventer. Like, really? And people <laughs> never really accepted him as a top guy, even though they pushed him really strong because he'd been, you know, in people's minds, we've been programmed to believe he was a second match guy. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, yeah, because at that point as well, you had, to, you had to kind of, Vince was putting everybody around the loop of doing all the house shows and kind of building them up on the the, the house show loops of beating bigger stars before they got to Hogan. Yeah, so there was a, like a, there was a system right where that was in place Absolutely. that you had to to kind of get to. So, but it's, it's a fascinating time period to think about. And yeah, Adnan was definitely a key part of that angle and getting it over. So, um, yeah. anyway, let's move on to talk about Monday Night Raw from this past Monday. 
the main event of the show and what the show was kind of built around was this Gunther and Chad Gable match for the Intercontinental title. Their uh, you know, final match where Gable's got to try and win the title. He's got his family at ringside. And um, I, mean, I know I feel like we're like a broken record in praising Chad Gable and how good he is. But I mean, this match was just... Was was great. It's, it, when was the last time the Intercontinental title has felt this important? I can't remember in in recent memory. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously it was last year. I mean, you know, Gunter's match with Sheamus at Clash at the Castle. Lots of people raved about that, and I think he's. I mean, he's now. I think he's now officially. I think he's now broken Honky's record. As he, of today, when we record this, yeah, he has. And yeah, and just to clarify, I just meant this this run that he's had, the Gunter run. Yeah. I think before that, I mean, so many people have held that belt, and like, it's so different from when before, like you know, Savage would hold it and then go yeah. on to become the world champion. But like, it, they would just give it to anybody, you know, at points. Absolutely. I mean, we were just talking about Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. Warrior mm-hmm. was IC champion when he beat Hogan for the WWF title at WrestleMania Six. Yeah. So you know, Warrior that was an integral part of Warrior's you know march or climb to the top spot. He became IC champion. Um, but you're right, yeah. I mean, prior to Gunter winning it, I mean, Ricochet's, you know, mid-card guy. Sami Zayn obviously has become a big star since he dropped the belt. But if you go back to when he was IC champ last year, he was kind of a bit of a comedy figure, wasn't he? Even though very talented, but a bit of a comedy figure. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing, you know, whimsical about Gunter at all. And uh, this was, yeah, amazing main event, really well built up. And I thought Gable looked really strong in defeat. We knew that Gunter was going to win. Of course we did. But I think they did a very good job. Well, well, everyone except for Chad Gable's daughter knew that. I mean, <laughs> I don't think Chad had smartened her up. <laughs> no, he included her in to the finish. <laughs> I mean, she was there in tears. And people were saying, this is rotten. They shouldn't have showed her. And it's like, you know, in years to come, she'll look back on that and she'll either think that's really sweet or she'll be embarrassed to the core. I'm not sure which. Well, listen, if if if, if she doesn't like that when she's older, she can man- leverage it and manoeuvre it for her dad to buy her something to make <laughs> up for this. So, <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, that's right. It could well be very useful in future. Yeah, I wish, I wish my mum had brought me a TV and made me cry so I could use it against her in future years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, Chad did so well here, and you know, Gunter was, you know, a beast as he always is. And uh, this was a a really worthy main event, and and a really a, a match that's going to be remembered for I think for years to come, because afterwards, we're like, that's it. He's beaten the Honky Tonk Man's record, even though he actually hadn't at that point. But because there weren't going to be any, going to be any matches between you know, Raw on Monday and today's date, then yep. that was it. He was the uh, longest reigning IC champion ever. And in some ways it's really good now he is because we, now he's broken Honky's record. Gunter can lose that belt, can he? Yes. No, he's not got the albatross of that around his neck anymore. And um, yeah, and I think now he will be kind of moved on to bigger things. I, I, I can't imagine a scenario where Gunter is not at least the world heavyweight champion from Raw in the next 12 months. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, I would imagine, you know, in the same way they're keeping Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch apart, I'm sure they've got the plan now for Gunter and Seth Rollins. If Seth's still champion, you know, maybe Damian Priest will win the belt for a short time. 
if he becomes if he becomes champ, I don't think it'd be a long term reign, and then maybe Seth will regain the belt. But I can see Gunter versus Seth Rollins either at Royal Rumble or WrestleMania next year if they don't do Gunter versus Brock Lesnar. That is, which we all are going to continue to you know shine the torch for in the yes. hopes that it happens. Uh, but yeah, this was a, a great match, a great presentation, and just you know top marks all around. Um, we saw Jey Uso make his debut on Monday Night Raw, um, or his yeah his debut as a Raw roster member. Crowd are very into him. Sami Zayn comes out uh, to basically sort of say, you know, he's happy to see him there. They might not be best friends, but, you know, I'm happy you're here. And he tries to kind of shake Jay's hand and Jay's not up for it. And Sammy's like, oh, you know, I understand that. And then Jay says, well, you know, that wasn't very oozy of me, was it? And then he goes to uh, extend his hand for Sammy to shake it and Sammy hugs him and the crowd go wild. But the best part of this for me, Finn, I don't know about you, was um, as Jay's heading to the back, Drew McIntyre comes out and they have a stare down. And it was just this perfect moment of why would Drew forgive Jey Uso for the part he played in him not getting to the top of the mountain while Drew is kind of in the middle of a heel turn and Jay's a babyface. It was just this perfect moment that kind of encapsulated Jay's debut on Raw, I thought. But what did you make of the, his first night on the job? Yeah, I, I agree. And that was uh, reflected up and down the card where they were communicating the message that, listen, there's a lot of people who are really upset with you. And just because you've seen the light and turned over a new leaf, it doesn't mean that people are going to forgive you for all the bad things you did earlier this year and last year. And, you know, that's sometimes in pro wrestling, you know, that this story doesn't follow a talent when he or she turns heel or face. And suddenly like the, the slate is wiped clean and all sins are forgiven. And I always find that annoying because it's like, well, there's so much more depth to a story that you've just squandered there. Yeah, I just, you know, putting all that through, you know, putting all that in the bin and just disposing of all that really good backstory to all these things you could do. Um, so I'm really pleased that they, they went in that direction. And as you say, yeah, it feels like Drew is in the process of that, of doing that long awaited heel turn, which we've been banging on about or requesting or, you know, <laughs> for how long now? I don't know. Many, many months, Kenny. Yeah. Many, and it feels like that's coming because all these events keep happening that causing him to lose and things keep going wrong. And I think we're going to have that moment quite soon where Drew snaps. And, and he's, maybe- play- he's playing the role really well. He's playing, you know, when he confronts Kofi later on after Kofi inadvertently cost him and riddled the match against the Viking Raiders, I thought he was very believable in his frustration. So I think he's playing the role really well. Yeah, that's right. And the only thing about it is they're going to have to be careful because he's in, he's actually been a little bit too logical and reasonable. <laughs> right? And if he's turning heel, you know, we don't want to be like, yeah, he's got a good point, actually. Yeah. You know, a, the the best heel is just, just smashing Kofi's head in. Because <laughs> I always feel that the best heels have the root of, of, a, of a good point that they kind of, you know, go too far with it. Like, I always think about... One of my favourite heel turns was Michaels in 97 when he tries to call that SummerSlam match with Bretton Undertaker down the middle and he gets goaded into sort of, you know, using the chair and hits Undertaker by mistake, but he has to count the three because if he doesn't, then he can't re- wrestle again. And then, you know, he, he's getting booed and he's going, wait a minute, I I did my job. You know, I yeah. did what I had to do. And, and then that was able to then have him spiral because the fans had kind of, in his mind, turned on. So I think yeah, stuff like that is really good. 
Yeah, that's it. It's the fans' fault. You know, you're the ones who are the bad guys, not me. So you have that justification, don't you, for your actions? Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah, the the heel has to go completely off at the deep end, so that we, you know, cannot tolerate or support or justify in our minds their behavior after that moment when you know that catalyst and you know that turning point moment where they make the big change but we can see that's coming with drew and yeah drew mcintyre and matt riddle lost to viking radius um another loss for riddle i mean yeah not looking good, is it? it's not looking good for matt i mean i think he's talented enough that he can probably you know he can probably be a star again but he's definitely you know, on the escalator downward at the moment. And I feel like it's going to be Riddle who Drew turns on when that moment comes. And then Drew's will probably then annihilate Riddle in their grudge match. So things are not looking good for Matt Riddle. Um, You know, I imagine he's probably like, if he hasn't rung Randy Orton, you know, (laughs) or or, sending him those flowers and get well soon cards, he's probably going to start this week. Yeah, I would start that right now. And one other thing that Drew said that I thought was a really nice touch and a plan for the future is when he said to Riddle, you know, GSO who's who's, you know, done all this stuff to all of us in the roster, including me, and you know, if he steps out of line and I'll be watching if he does, I'll have to go and take that up with Cody Rhodes, who who's responsible. And you know, that was such a nice touch of like, you know, now now I kinda of want to see Cody and Drew down the line. So they've set something up. So Oh yeah, um, there's lots of stuff set up there. I mean, Drew versus Cody could be a rumble match or a big match before Cody yeah. faces Reigns. We we imagine that's gonna happen. Um and or, or it could be they could leave it until you know post WrestleMania. Drew could be Cody's first challenger. Yeah, lots of possibilities. Um so let's just fire through some quick other stuff on Raw before we go. And uh, we did have Nakamura uh end up declining to face Seth Rollins when Rollins tried to get him to fight him um, and then attack Rollins. So basically, we're going to get Rollins and Nakamura again. Are you, are you, what, do you want another match from them? Are you keen for another one? Or would you rather it was a one and done? Um, well, I mean, it depends what they've got planned for Nakamura next. Because if they're planning to do something with him, then I can under- post Rollins. Then I understand why they're doing another match. Um, I mean, it feels like it's going to be no DQ or something like that because Nakamura was disqualified against Ricochet here when he clobbered him with a chair and a big scrap afterwards. Um, so, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was Ricochet Nakamura, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it was Ricochet Nakamura, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, um, you know, it was, you know, I felt like, I feel like, yeah, there is mileage left in this feud and I just don't want to see another lengthy match like the one they gave us at Payback. We talked about that earlier in the week. A match just lasted too long. I think they could do some sort of brawl on, you know, no DQ match or something like that. It needs to be shorter. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nakamura has been reheated by this feud. I thought he was a spent force and a lost cause, you know, four or five months ago. Yep. So, And I think there is some mileage and value in him. So I understand what they're doing it again. Yeah, I'm not really that enthusiastic about it but I can understand why they're doing it yeah same I echo those sentiments um we also had um the judgment day doing a promo where you know they're just it's delightful how much the fans just hate them um, oh my god it was just hilarious each time Dom spoke you you couldn't hear him could you you just yeah. couldn't hear him. And, and uh, he, he's cracking up you know they're all cracking because they're just all we've we've said this before all of them have been in a position in WWE where you know people just thought they were a bit useless in terms yeah. of either the way they were presented or 
them in general, and now they're like the hottest act. You know, they're they're a hotter act in the bloodline at the moment. So, yeah. um, good for them. But they and so they're having a promo, and basically, uh, you know, they're all, Ripley's Rhea Ripley's taking kind of you know the the plaudits for coming up with you know the pressure was on. You know, you guys rose to the occasion, and we're all together. But she did say one thing that was bothering her, and that was Jay Uso coming out. And, you know, the, the, the bloodline don't matter anymore. The judgment day are the most dominant. Stealing their attention. It was like this attention stealer, wasn't it? Yeah, she, she didn't like that. She wants the attention all to be in the judgment day. And then JD McDonough comes out with a, something in his hand. And he basically says to Priest, because Priest was like, look, I like you. I like you a little bit. Don't push it. You know, if you're going to come down here, it better be something good. And McDonough says, well, look, the briefcase has got to go. And everyone's like, oh, what does that mean? And it's because he's got. Another briefcase for him, a purple one, senior money in the bank. Um, Priest is a fan of this. And then Sami Zayn comes out to challenge somebody from the Judgment Day. McDonough accepts. Can I just stop you there for a second, Kenny? I mean, yes. what we should have had, though, was that little moment where Priest opened the case, took out the piece of paper and put it in the purple case. We should have had that. Attention yep. to detail, WWE. I know. Just giving away that Priest just carries a bit of replica with him. All week. Exactly. Where's you with these contracts? You know, it could just be an A4 piece of paper, you know, <laughs> with a menu on it or something. It doesn't matter what it is, but just transfer it over. Yeah, just something. I mean, it's funny because you, you always hear about, I, I know Mez had said it was one of the worst periods of his career where he had to carry that briefcase around all the time. Um, so hopefully by this point, you can just leave your briefcase to TV. You don't need to carry that fucker <laughs> around to the airport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that led us to <clears throat> McDonough and Sami Zayn later on, where McDonough was able to get the win over Sami after a Dom distraction. Uh, I mean, Sami Zayn, he is, I, I feel like singles matches, he, they're not for him anymore. He just cannot win any of them. No, I mean, there was all sorts of shenanigans going on here. We should point out that Kevin Owens wasn't at the show. They didn't say why. No, but, but Sami did allude to it in the opening promo and said, you know, Kevin's got an issue with UJ, but, you know, he's not here tonight. It's just me. So, Yes. So, uh, I mean, you know, you could say, well, Sami, they just lost the tag belts. He lost here on Raw. What are they doing to him? But I think they've got a plan for Zayn. And Zayn's one of those guys who's, you know, there's a lot of empathy for him. We have this, you know, connection with him, this affinity with him. You know, we see him as this sort of regular guy who's done good. And I think in some ways he's the sort of person, as long as he doesn't lose too often, you know, and there's a reason why he loses, i.e., you know, interference or whatever, it's, you know, unfair or cheating going on, then I think we're still going to root for him because we like Sami Zayn. He's a good fella. So I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, he's one of us. Um, Well, listen, that's all the time we've got for just now. Uh, We're going to be recording an overrun right now, so we'll, we'll cover some other stuff over there. But uh, yeah, I want to thank you for all your support as always. I know I say every week like a broken record, but honestly, you know, we couldn't do these podcasts without you guys uh, pledging on Patreon and, um, you know, taking the chance and, you know, see a few more pledges than usual this month. So I want to thank people for coming on board. Um, and if you haven't, yeah. daily content all the time. You know, Sandra and I do a Dynamite review. Robert and I do a Collision review. Finn and I do an overrun. We're going to be doing obviously that special monthly podcast going forward. There's loads and loads of stuff on there. Um, that you know, if you got you got some time, you fancy supporting us, we would very much appreciate it. So we absolutely do, and as we always say, if there's anything you want us to cover, you know, or talk about or anything like that, you just let us know. Do not be shy. You yeah. know, we are open to suggestions. Yes, we are for sure. So that's all the time we've got for today. But as your know, Patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes is where you can go and check us out. 
InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is where you can order issue 36 with Jay Uso on the cover. Looking quite sad, but that's before he got to Monday Night Raw. So maybe there'll be a cover with him again where he looks very happy because he's now on the red brand. But um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe. 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 Uh, but yes, thank you so much for all your support, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.